Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. When is it okay for Christians to hit the bar? In a few minutes, we're going to be talking with two people who love the Lord, and they, unfortunately, need to hit the bar more often than they'd like. We're talking about Steve Kozar and his, his wife, Paulette, host of a fairly new Christian ministry on YouTube titled, Hit the Bar. That's right. But for the Kozars, hitting the bar doesn't mean what you think. No, they're not going into taverns or nightclubs that we know of. Uh, Hit the bar in this case refers to hitting the space bar and pausing uh, what they're watching. The deceptive teachings coming from famous celebrity preachers, apostles and prophets. And by the way, we always put bunny ears around those titles since there is no such thing as modern day apostles and prophets. But these are the folks who are bringing in a very different different message to the masses rather than the true gospel of Christ. Now on the Kozar's YouTube channel, uh, they'll play these recordings for their viewers. And when they hear something that contradicts scripture, they'll hit pause and check these teachings about uh, against what God's word says. Yeah, isn't that great? I just enjoy that so much. And and Amy, I know that you've partnered with Steve on a few projects, and I'm excited to meet them both tonight. Um, my readers of my blog might be familiar with Steve's name because I always link to his cornucopia of false teacher or false doctrine or however he words it of false teachers, uh, where he's got lots of different articles about false teachers and evidence of why they're false teachers and things like that. Uh, and he's got those articles on his blog, and I like to link to those to to help my readers have some resources that uh, that they need. So, but you you have uh, tell us about how you've partnered with Steve. Well, Steve and I go back to about 2012 or 2013. Um, I found one of his blog posts over at his site called The Messed Up Church, and it was really good. And uh, long story short, I ended up reading that article, and it was titled, Want Some False Teaching in Your Life? Try These Handy Tips. And uh, a few years later, the two of us uh, partnered up with Chris Roseborough over at uh, Pirate Christian Radio, and the three of us were known as the Pirate Gang, and uh, we would do these programs of about discernment issues facing Christians. And uh, Steve and Paulette recently started their YouTube videos together. So let's bring them in. Welcome, Steve and Paulette Kozar. Hi, thanks. Hey, <laughs> great to be here. We weren't sure who was supposed to speak first. So <laughs> He's looking at me like, <laughs> your turn. Pause. You've been a writer for many years, and a lot of what you cover is about things in the modern church that are really taking people's eyes off the Bible and the good news of the gospel. And, you know, you've been sounding the alarm about those things for quite a while. But what got you started down this path? Were you yourself subjected to some of those things that you write about? Yeah, everything. <laughs> that's that's why I think a lot of people really enjoy our show, because Paulette and I both went through all of this stuff. Every single wow. thing that we critique from these pastors is something that we were at one point believing ourselves to, to a large extent. And so, you know, we were kind of mainstream evangelicals and we didn't really think much about theology where we weren't really testing things all that much. (laughs) And I wouldn't say we were below average. I think we were, you know, I, I probably read a little bit more than most Christians. I was a little bit more educated, but really about 10 years ago, uh, some things happened in our family and, Some things happened in a couple of different churches where it was just, you know, the kind of things that weren't supposed to happen in Christian families and in Christian churches, really bad things. And I started to think about, man, what is this Christian belief system that we have and why is it not working? Is it, 
is it that the whole Christian faith is intrinsically false or or were we just being led astray by false teachers who were kind of leading us down this road to think that everything was going to be all rosy and wonderful and you know here we are in our what that would be in our late 40s looking at life saying man it's not turned out anything like they said it would and well I think two things were happening that was and then also we were going to a church where it was just so obvious to even our youngest I think she was a freshman maybe a sophomore in high school um they had a we had a new pastor uh Damascus Road and after his sermons, I was so depressed. I decided I'm not going to church anymore. I can't take it. I, I am. That's right. And my daughter after service would ask me questions. You know, he kept the, the parable of the sons that he when- was a big Tim Keller fan. And he, he just, ah. what, what would, what Tim Keller could do well in, in five or 10 minutes, he took for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. Then and he would do it with a different twist. And, and then Lydia said to me, mom, you know, am I, I don't, I don't think because you either had to be, you know, the older brother or the younger brother, you know, you couldn't be anything, you know. So anyway, um, she brought up some things that were really I was questioning, too. And so it's at that same time where I volunteered for a short time to help with the the teenage youth group meetings. And I was leading a Bible study and I was great. That's right. I was just saying, I'm not going to do a bunch of dumb games and workbooks. We're just going to go through a book of the Bible. But then you would, what I was going to say is you started going to church and just started writing down word for word and then listening throughout the week, what the pastor said and said, what's wrong with this? This Comparing it to scripture. And it was just wrong. And then I heard, I heard about it all the time and, and just him constantly telling me what he's learned and how frustrated he is. And I said, why don't you just start writing? I said, you're really good at writing. And I said, that would really help you, you know, um, work through this because this is really you know, you found out a lot of stuff that's really interesting and you need to get out of your system. And he's like, well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm like, well, people do blogs, right? They do something online. Why don't you do that? (laughs) And so that's what, what really started it. So it was a combination of all these things that he started, he found an outlet to be able to express himself and what he's learned and to talk about um, what he has seen in the churches that we had gone to and the the best story of from that whole early period was how i was writing blogs and nobody was reading them much you know it was a few people and i i'm not a theological writer nobody knows who i am in that regard and then um chris roseborough shared that article hmm. and oh. it just took off it's thousands and thousands of people read it within a day right where i was, i was getting 30 people in a day now i had 3000 people in a day so he shared that one article, which started the ball rolling, and it was the same day that he shared it that Amy, you sent me an email and said, we want to use your article for a for a program tomorrow. And I was so excited because I I loved Amy Spreeman and I loved Chris Roseborough. I thought these are the these were the experts. These are the people that were really doing something, and I wanted to be like them. So the the fact that both of you were were kind of taking me on board was huge. It just was a huge boost. Oh, oh thanks again. So great. Oh, that's so great. And, and the rest is history, like they say, right? <laughs> but is that how y'all both grew up? I mean, I understand that you two met when you were fairly young. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Did you both grow up in church families, doctrinally sound churches, not doctrinally sound churches? What was all that like? I didn't grow up in a real Christian home. We went to church, but it was the United Church of Christ. So 
we really didn't hear the gospel. It was, you know, pretty liberal, even in the early 70s. Yeah. But I did go to a youth, a kids, it was kind of like a wana. And it was from the Evangelical Free Church, which was just down the road, which was a church that Paulette grew up in. So I heard people giving a gospel presentation when I was a kid, and I tried to, in my head, pretend that the church I was going to wasn't really that much different. But at the same time, I knew I wasn't hearing the same sort of message in both places. And we liked each other when we were <laughs> kids. We, we've, known, we've known each other since kindergarten. <clears throat> our sisters were good friends, our older sisters growing up. <clears throat> and in sixth grade, we had a crush on each other. And Paulette will take the story from here. I had a dream that I married him. <laughs> oh, my. It was, it was so a prophecy. Real. You know, it was so real that it scared me that I didn't want anything to do with him anymore. <laughs> she avoided me for a couple of years. I did. I wouldn't even look at him. I, I was I was purposely rude to him and him alone. He was the only one. And we liked doing things that the, like we both liked drama. We both were in drama um, groups together. Um, I would avoid him like the plague. And um, can you believe we are in drama together? Isn't that a surprise? <laughs> I'm shocked. I was never chosen, though. I was always the understudy. Except for um, Christmas Carol, that was in. I was Bob Cratchit, and you were the ghost of Christmas Past. That was the first ghost, whichever that one was. That's the ghost of Christmas Past. I remember some of that still. <laughs> and I remember, oh, oh man, how am I going to do this? You know, we were in middle school. I'm like, I don't talk to him, but I guess I have to work with him. And uh, when we were freshmen in high school, um, we had in my family, um, I was, I was born and raised in a free church. My parents actually were charter members of the free church in Lake Zurich, Illinois. And, um, which doesn't even exist anymore, by the way. Anyway. So my, um, I'm the youngest of six and, um, my sister right above me had a friend who was from Kenya, who was an AFS student and a foreign exchange student. And, um, she was having problems with the home that she was at. So my mom's like, tell her that she can live with us you know, we'll take her in. And so Grace um, came and lived with us and she was going to campus life. Uh, she was a believer. Um, my sister Sue was a believer, but did not like youth group stuff, avoided them like the plague. And they were the same age. They were seniors and Steve and I were freshmen. And when she told me, she would say, little sister, you need to come with me. You have to come to campus life. And I said, I will not go to campus life. I said, Stephen Kozar goes there. I don't go where Steve Kozar is. <laughs> And she looked at me, she said, you've got to be kidding me. She said, you have to promise me before I go back to Kenya that you will come with me to a campus life, you know, thing. And I a meeting and I'm like, <sighs> and she was on me like crazy. I'm like, and she goes, oh, Stephen Kozar is funny. I don't know what your problem is, but you know, just don't talk to him. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was uh, November, October. It was one of the first meetings we had and we met in, in, students homes it was ecumenical and the pastor you know i mean basically a bible study yeah bible study with the missionary with campus life and and um i remember looking at him in the living room there's about 18 kids in there and it was from freshman to high school i mean uh 12th grade i remember looking at him and i remember take this for what it's worth but i remember looking at him thinking something's changed hmm. and i better say i'm sorry and he was the guy Oh, wow. All in like split seconds. So I don't, I don't know what that is, but I do know that changed my heart completely. And I felt very remorseful for how 
I had treated him for the past couple of years and I made an attempt to see him and talk to him and sit with him at study hall. And, and I eventually apologized to him around February. <laughs> Remember that? I still have the letter. <laughs> and I have the, I have a <laughs> leather bound NIV Bible that she got me for a birthday present in 1979. Yeah. Wow. So you can all, can you guys pinpoint when God really opened your eyes to the truth about Jesus? Do you, uh, was it at the same time or different times or don't you know? I mean, Paulette remembers when she was four years old, her dad leading her to Jesus. Very vividly. She, she remembers it vividly. I had an experience. You know, my I had to stay home. It was a Christmas. It was a Christmas pageant, and it was a Sunday evening. And I wanted to go because they gave little kids candy, and I wanted to go get my bag of candy. But I had a high fever, and I had to stay home. And my dad stayed home with me, and I was just adamant that you know this is terrible. And he asked me if I knew you know who baby Jesus was and why we were celebrating Christmas. And he he told me what it was, and. I wanted baby Jesus. And I remember him praying with me and I remember him crying and I just remember feeling just wonderful. And then I guess my sister said that I, I went around when, when they take me shopping, I'd start witnessing to all of the sales clerks and they, they were really embarrassed. Do you know Jesus as your savior? You got to know Jesus. And they, I didn't, I embarrassed them like crazy, I guess. So yeah, that, that was very vivid for me. And I know that's not normal um, for people. And, and I have a hard time talking about that because you know, this whole discernment stuff we talk about, does that happen, you know, and, 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 and what are these experiences? But I do know for sure that my father, um, he would read Bible stories to us and pray with me. I mean, my, both my parents did. So. Sure. And we, uh, we were going to this campus life group because I had a really wonderful relationship with the leader of that campus life group. And he led me in the sinner's prayer in a fall camp camping event. And uh, I look back and I've tried really hard to think, what did I understand about the gospel at that point in my life? And I'm pretty sure I knew enough that it was a sincere prayer and it was a sincere commitment. But I also think that there's a lot of things that are that were vague enough that it took a long time you know, because I never really was discipled per se. Mm. And, um, and we started dating like six months after he accepted Christ. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we had, I, I, I like the term, it's just kind of a middle of the road, evangelical American kind of experience that a lot of people have had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the whole idea of going to a non-denominational church where it's just about you and Jesus. And it's this really simple kind of I don't know, overly simplified version of Christianity. That's what we had. And it, it was what it was, you know, right. I'm not ashamed of it. I, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it wasn't real or anything like that. It's just, it was, we did what we did with what we had and how mm -hmm. much we were taught was what we were taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, my parents brought us to church every Sunday and every Sunday night and every Wednesday. And it was very, I mean, there were still, um, it was hymns, it was Bible preaching. It was, um, in context, you know, I mean, well, growing up, you weren't there when I was growing yeah. up. You were there later with Dennis. In, in and I'm school. talking about when I was growing up. Yes. I remember it. And it, it, um, it changed. The, the, well, in fact, the, the topic that we just made a video about for AGTV and for our Patreon page is, right. is about the issue of pietism. 
And the next one we're going to do is on the issue of revivalism and how those two ideas are really strong as a foundation for American evangelicalism. And um, there's elements of truth in both of them. And there's also things about them that kind of create this version of Christianity that is very distinct as this American evangelicalism. Right. And there is, there's so much going on in the church. I was just listening to y'all describe, you know, how the church is the church that you came up in. And I was just thinking about how that's pretty much how I came up as well. You know, our, our church was very similar, but a lot of, a lot of people, you know, they, they are not blessed to come up in a church that's basically doctrinally sound, even if, you know, maybe they have a few things wrong, but they're pretty much right. And so y'all really both have a heart for people in the church who are sitting under teachers who are not telling them the truth. And you've got a number of resources for those who are trying to figure out what to do and if they should speak up. And we've already touched on that a little bit, but what are your thoughts about doing discernment writing, especially, you know, in in this day and age when deception is getting worse, things like that? Boy, I, I could talk for an hour on this topic and I won't, (laughs) Um, but I, I've, recently did some uh, reading about personality disorders and I've discovered pretty clearly that I have a personality disorder called obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which is not OCD. It sounds similar, but it's not quite the same. And so I just have this personality that has to get to the bottom of things. I have to know more and more detail. I just got to keep going further and it's a blessing and a curse. So when I'm thinking back to the, the bad churches that we went to with bad doctrine, nice people, we still have many friends from previous churches. Uh, I was just mad, you know, like, I can't believe they were teaching this. This is really bad. This isn't Christianity. This is leading people astray. Why would they do that? Why, why are these people teaching these things? Where did they get these ideas? So I kept digging further and further, you know, and so um, it's, it's a really peculiar personality trait that I have mm-hmm. that makes me a discernment blogger, writer, video guy, whatever. And I don't recommend that very many people do what I do because it's a weird thing. It's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. if I um, look back when I was younger in my twenties, I liked reading theology to an extent, like um, there was a magazine called Leadership Magazine. It was for pastors. And I would borrow it from the pastor's office and I would take it home and read it. And I at times thought, you know, I, I would kind of like to be more academic. I, I think I could go to school and maybe become a professor or something. And I would think to myself, well, no, you can't do that because you really, if you're going to be a, an effective Christian, you need to be out in the world just being a regular guy and all that intellectual stuff is not really important. So I really pushed it aside for a lot of my adulthood. And I didn't have anybody to really push me in that direction. Um, Chris Roseborough is actually the guy that influenced me more than anybody. And he's become just like a brother to me. And um, the way he does discernment is the way I do discernment. You know, our show is basically a copycat of Chris Roseborough. You know, he he looks at the whole sermon and he picks it apart and he reads the passage. I mean, that just really struck me when I first started listening to him. I remember like it was yesterday. 
he was critiquing a sermon and he, he the, the pastor gave, you know, like they always do one or two verses. And then Chris read the whole passage. And for a brief moment, I thought to myself, come on, get to the point. I don't need to hear the whole passage. And it <laughs> occurred to me, I'm the problem. That's, that's where we're all going wrong. Every one of us is saying, oh, I know what the Bible says. Let's go on to something really important. And I kind of, in my mind, I said, wow, I got to stop doing that. I've been doing that my whole life. I think I know what the Bible says and I ignore it, you know, way too much. So anyway, I, um, I don't know if I answered your question exactly. I kind of went off on a tangent there. Like I always do. <laughs> that's why well, our that's shows all... are two hours long now. <laughs> Well, it, well, and Michelle and I can really relate uh, to kind of, we don't really recommend that everybody do what we, what we Paulette, uh, what I find really cool is that you have joined Steve at the helm. You're doing the uh, Hit the Bar program on your Messed Up Church channel. And uh, I know that this is something pretty new for you, uh, at least for this this part of it. Uh, how did Steve drag you into it? I mean, seriously, how did, how did uh, you start doing the Hit the Bar series? And uh, explain what this is really all about. That's a loaded question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's a loaded question. Well, he got really involved in, you know, during doing his blogging and then, um, you know, researching and then making YouTube videos and um, getting more and more involved with other people and collaborating on ideas. And, and I would go to my job and I'd come home and it would felt like we weren't doing anything together. Um, and I, I've heard comments, um, from listeners concerned because either the husband or the wife is seeing the problem in the church that they're attending, but the other one doesn't want to change. And it's, and it's very difficult. Um, I understood what he was doing and I understood it was good and I knew, and I agreed with it, but still, um, again, because of his personality, we weren't being tended to our, our marriage. You know, I mean, we, we, I was going to my job and he was doing his stuff and I'd come home and then he was painting because he had to catch up from, you know, other things. And long and short of it, um, he, January is like, why don't we try doing this together? I think, didn't you have something you wanted to do with Chris and, and it was not going to work or something? You're like, why don't you <laughs> step in and work and do it with me. maybe i had so many ideas that haven't panned out <laughs> like well you know it was partly because of brandon and the agtv that's right because brandon was here, here last to, summer yeah with with his cameras and all that equipment and he filmed me a lot and then he filmed us together and he said you guys have a really good kind of rapport and encouraged us to do more and then he said when the agtv app came out he said would you consider making you know, something for us. And actually we tried, we tried filming some things and I didn't have the right equipment or it wasn't working right. And we, or really... we would, we would go through the whole thing and then there was no sound. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really the last hour there's no sound. So, so actually hit the bar was partially just a frustration of yeah. me. I said, you know what, let's just take an iPhone, stick it on a tripod <laughs> and right. sit in front of my computer and talk about what's on the screen. That's right. And the sound was terrible, but it worked enough that, you know, it, it was okay. And people really liked it. And we just kept going. That's the short story. And yeah. even as we were about to begin the show, we didn't have a name. And I just said, you know, we're going to hit the space bar. Let's call it hit the bar. And then Lucy was upstairs and we had to close the door. Scratching on the door. Yeah. So we said, Lucy's we the bring dog, by the way. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, and, and by the way, not Lucy seems children. to be the star of this yes, program, yes. and we just love that dog. And I, is she there? Because we we want to have uh, Lucy come on. I'll have um, to go get her. Oh, when, when, when she's when you're ready for her, I will go find her because I think we're going to have to have Lucy weigh in with her famous howl. Oh I, yes, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But, uh, you know, having having um, this program is as personable as you guys are with the dog and the, you know, your marriage and, and the, the listeners and viewers really get a chance to see what, you know, discernment, kind of the messed up, messy uh, process that is discernment, don't they? Right. Oh, they, they have no idea <laughs> how messy it is. You know, really I mean. And, and this show actually hit the bar really brought us together. I mean, it brought us closer and I started seeing, cause I really wasn't watching what he was watching. And the more right. I watched these programs, the more passionate I became at and be almost, I don't know if the word indignant. I mean, it's just like, are you serious? Yeah. How many people I kept saying, how many people are listening to me? He'd go tens of thousands. I'm like, no, no, really. How many he goes? No. He said, that's how big this one individual is. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. And then he would expose me to another one and another one. And we started as a reactionary video, right. which I didn't know what one was until two weeks. I literally, I didn't, I didn't know what that was. Cause I'm not on YouTube that like that, you know, I don't watch stuff. And so the original idea was she doesn't know what I'm going to play. <laughs> right. And then I'm getting her reaction in real time <laughs> on camera. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't get over it. And so then I, I started really feeling that passion and that, um, emotion of all of these people that are being deceived in yeah. in one of our earlier shows I just couldn't stop I broke down crying because you know I mean I remember when we first looked at this we're like well you know where are our kids and where are our kids friends they all went to you know they all went to church they all went to youth group they went on missions trips they served you know I mean now they some of them are atheists, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. what? A lot of them have happened? given up their faith. Yes, Steve's like, what's going on? And then when we saw this happening, we felt like we came out of like the apocalypse, like the zombies are real, please believe me. And everyone's looking at you like you're nuts. And it's like, no, you're not being taught scripture, you know, but people, it's just this, like this mind numbing, mm -hmm. let's just follow the leader. And it's like, it's scary. It really is. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I hear from, I, I watch people and, and what they follow on social media and I hear from people and ask me if a certain person is a good teacher or not. And I just, you know, they'll, they'll ask a question or they'll put something on Facebook or whatever. And I'll just want to reach through the screen and go, no, no, don't follow that person or whatever. So, um, but there's, gosh, it's just, it's all just a big, huge mess of false teaching out there, you know, and so many false teachers and everything. And of all the things that y'all have been covering, what has surprised you the most? Paulette, why don't you start and then we'll go on to Steve. I think the thing that surprised me the most was exactly like what Steve said, you know, kind of get to the point, I know what the Bible says. And it's like, wait a minute no, I haven't been in my Bible. And it's like, you're waking up in this dream you've been in for 20 years. And it's like, I haven't really been in my Bible. You know, mm -hmm. I brought my Bible to church. I saw a few little specks of, you know, Bible verses following the latest women teachers that are, you know, off the rails and thinking all that's normal. And then when you push it all aside and you get back into scripture, I guess I've been startled as to how far away I have gotten in all these years and not really not being aware of it. Um, you know, we look through at, at back at, you know, how we would have done things differently if we would have been closer 
in scripture and understood what we know now, instead of just following the lemmings off the cliff, you know? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, Steve, what do you think is the most, what do you think is the most deceptive trend or movement in the church today? Well, it's really hard to pinpoint it. I would say one thing for sure is that people who used to be considered the fringe are now the mainstream. Yes. A, A guy like Bill Johnson would be really considered almost a cult leader 30 years ago. And now he's, he's, you know, the Christianity Today magazine does a cover story and can't seem to figure out whether or not he's legit or not. It's, it's, it's insane. I think about uh, Chuck Swindoll, John MacArthur, uh, a few guys like that were the popular preachers. Yeah, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whether you agree with everything they said or not, they weren't teaching anything like what we're seeing today with, you know, Joyce Meyer, uh, a, uh, if you go to a Walmart, you look at the Christian books, it's Joyce Meyer, it's T.D. Jakes, a yep. modalist heretic, and it's Joel Osteen, who's a buffoon. He's a cartoon character of a pastor. I don't think he's ever read a, a Bible passage all the way through more than one or two sentences, because he's just and he's the most popular guy in America. That wasn't the case just 30 or 40 years ago. I'm not saying that the guys 30 or 40 years ago were perfect, but they were so much better than what we have today. So it's been a, in the overall scope of church history, which is one of my passions is to try to understand church history and especially American church history. It's been a curve and it seems like it's exponentially getting worse much more quickly than it did in the past. But the, the, the trends they didn't all just happen in the last 30 years. They're just accelerating in the last 30 years. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that part of it is the new apostolic reformation that got so popular 20, 25 years ago uh, when C. Peter Wagner started bringing in, you know, uh, thinking that we can establish uh, modern day apostles and prophets in the church. And things just really started, I think, ex- exponentially growing from there. Um, but Steve, speaking of movements like the NAR and how it really uh, twists the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, I want to let our listeners know last summer, uh, you and I were invited to take part in a special documentary project, and uh, we got to meet up at your house. Uh, I got to meet Lucy, and uh, but we, we did some filming, and, and that was really important. Uh, why don't we talk about that a little bit? Well, gosh, it's been just an absolute privilege to be a a friend of Brandon Kimber and to be associated with the American Gospel Film Project. Uh, Brandon started the first film. It's got to be like six or seven years ago now. He was working on it for about four years. And about halfway through the process, he he contacted me out of the blue because I had written some articles about Todd White. And Todd White, for whatever reason, really got under my skin. And I felt like somebody's got to do something to write about him because I think he's going to get really big. And of course, he's gotten huge. So he said, can you help me do research for this movie? And I was thrilled. You know, like, Absolutely, I'll do whatever you want. So that first movie, a lot of the clips in the movie are the clips I found for Brandon and gave them to him. And uh, so the second movie is really good. It's even better, I think, in some ways. And then um, the third movie is turned into not a full length movie, but a series of smaller movies, which will be more um, intensely focused on the new apostolic reformation, people like Bill Johnson, Todd White, etc. And instead of us, or him, uh, Brandon, I should say, making a full length movie, he realized there's just so much material to cover. Yes. that it would. You know, the funny thing about the way this has turned out is, if you watch my videos before Paulette joined me, they were very different. And they were very meticulous. 
and I was never in the video. I never wanted to be on camera. I always would type the words in and I would be a narrator, but I was never on camera. And I never wanted the, the videos to be personality driven. And so I was abstractly thinking, I want people to understand that, that I'm talking about ideas here. And if, if there's too much personality injected in these videos, it'll, it'll go off track. Well, I blew that whole theory totally out of the water. So now <laughs> the, the good part of it is because people like watching us interact and they like our personalities and they like the, some of the humor, they're watching videos that they probably would not have watched otherwise. So I've kind of changed my thinking and, and Lord willing uh, in the coming year, I'll have more time and I'll, I'll go back and make some of my own videos as well in that other format. Cause some people like some of those videos mm -hmm. even more. Some people really don't like the bantering and the fun. Or the, they, the cute wife and the dog. Yeah. People say, well, we should get rid of your dog. Yeah, you should get rid of the wife and the dog. Like, did you oh. read the other 10,000 comments that say they love us and our dog? Because I, I don't think we're going to listen to you. We're going to listen to the 10,000 other people who, you know, think this isn't. Because the, the thing that's really worked out great is they are listening and learning, but they're enjoying the process. And they're watching yeah. a video that they otherwise would right. be gritting their teeth and wanting to, you know, punch somebody because they've read that over and yeah. over again our people are saying i would never have watched this if right. it wasn't for you and i'm so glad i did it's bad but i didn't know it was this bad and it's amazing the the camaraderie and yeah. when we do a, a youtube premiere and people are chatting back and forth it's a community it, it's a community it's and exciting anyway we've all been through this we all right. see through it now and we're all getting the blinders removed and there's a sense of we're all in this together mm -hmm. and we're it, not alone we're not alone i think that's yeah. a really important thing that we keep trying to tell people and of course what we really want is for people to go to a good church that's yeah. something that uh, it's a bit of a frustration they keep I, I keep saying don't come to us to get all your answers mm -hmm. i mean we're trying to provide as many resources as we can mm -hmm. the messed up church has lots of articles and lots of other resources like other entire channels other entire websites so why don't you go look at those be before you ask me in a, in a comment on youtube because i don't think i'm going to be able to answer everybody and, mm -hmm. I, and I can't right. So that is a bit of a thing that I, I hope as time goes by, people will listen to us and then they'll say, gosh, you know, I'm glad that I'm watching these videos, but I need to go out and I need to do my own homework. I need to do my research. I need to find a good church with a good pastor. fellowship with, with yes. the community of believers right, exactly. and a good church. If that's, mm -hmm. if that's one point I could drive home. And that's what I say at the end of every mm -hmm. video, read your Bible, go to church, be at peace. And I, I like that as a catchphrase because it kind of summarizes what we're really trying to do. Yeah, and that's so important to um, what you're saying about being in church, because really, this is what I tell people, too, is that, you know, God didn't set it up, you know, for you to be discipled by people on the Internet that you don't even know and that, you know, you're not even close with or anything like that. God's plan is the church. And so people like us are for your leisure time edification, and but we don't take the place of the church and we don't even, you know, we don't even approach uh, the importance of the church. So that is so, so important. But when we do have leisure time, and maybe people belong to churches that aren't teaching them discernment, or they're teaching, you know, doctrine that's false or whatever, and they, they have to get their information somewhere. And that's where people like us come in, but especially y'all that we're, we're talking about today. Um, so we're going to put, and you've got some great resources that really are helping a lot of people. And so we're going to put a bunch of resources and links to all of these topics in our show notes. Um, Stephen Paulette, when, what is your next hit the bar project going to be about? We don't know until in many cases, the day before. 
and even like, I mean, he'll have me watch something and plan and I might even make notes. And then the next day he's like, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> oh, didn't I tell you? <laughs> I mean, cause he's always thinking, he's always changing things around. He's got this hyperactive Aww. brain that, you know, it's, and then he might've heard something else that just caught his attention because of something else or somebody said something. And, right. you know, so I, I think, um, there's being, no shortage of material being, that's, for that's me to true. be flexible <laughs> is really important, but we are trying to be a little more prepared. Though. Yes. We like the the most recent ones, we have sat right. through the entire sermon bef- the day before, and we go through the Bible passages. The it's day not before. reactionary anymore. Yeah, we're changing will, the format. If the format looks the same, but we're more prepared, and yeah. I think that's made the show better, which is to be expected. Oh, awesome. Hey, you know, before we uh, let you guys go, we want to hear from Lucy, of course. We'll grab her. Um, well, while you're doing that, one thing that our, our listeners might not know is that uh, Paulette married an artist. Isn't that great? Steve Kozar uh, is an incredible painter. I've seen so many of his works. His watercolors uh, are just so vivid and so realistic that I, I always feel like it, it feels like I'm actually in the painting or part of it or, you know, looking in on something real, like a photograph. Um, so I'm going to link up a, a Wisconsin public radio feature on Steve that uh, is a couple years old, but it's really cool. And, uh, you know, you can check out his work. Uh, that's going to be in our show notes today. Uh, but Steve, talk to us a little bit about your artistic side. Well, it's really a weird thing because uh, I love art. And it's actually been really difficult for me. I love music too. I, I love playing music. I love writing music. I love art. I've made my living as an artist. And then now I just love history and theology. And so I, I guess when, maybe when we die and go to heaven, I'll have a chance to finish up all the stuff that I probably will never get done <laughs> in this life. But I've been a re- very realistic painter. I mean, yes. really, really realistic. I'm one of the most realistic watercolor painters in the world, which isn't really good or bad it's just that's my style and uh, going along with what I said earlier about having this obsessive compulsive personality disorder it makes a lot of sense why I paint the way I paint and why I focus in on detail to an extent that just isn't normal it's really abnormal and uh, it doesn't make the paintings bad by any means but I'm becoming more aware of just how peculiar my way of seeing things is and I'm not sure where my art will go in the future. I I really am kind of open to maybe not painting for a while or maybe changing my style a bit or maybe changing my style a lot. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm capable of painting without so much detail. Just like, yeah, everything I do, I have to, you know, fuss around forever and make it as perfect as I can be. And I'm trying to get better at, you know, finding a balance with some of those issues. But yeah, I I love, I love art. If if people just Google me, they can find my website, stephencozar.com. I have a really nice website with all my paintings and they can buy prints. It really helps our ministry, actually, when people mm-hmm. support us by buying some of the artwork. I have affordable prints. So I'm not uh, I mean, it's it's still a business thing as well as a passion. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked. It's it's so separate that I sometimes have yes. done interviews and things where I don't even mention the fact that I'm an artist. And then when people find out, it's a little freaky for them. They're like, <laughs> Wait a minute. Who are who, you? Who are you? Right. <laughs> Uh, well, but it makes is- sense. Your style makes a lot of sense for, you know, that I've known you all these years that, you know, how meticulous you are with, with detail. Um, it, it just it seems to permeate who you are. So, and it's um, why and I, I'm I, such a jerk at times too. So it all, <laughs> it all makes sense. 
Well, I think Lucy probably likes your paintings better than she likes listening to some of the teachers that you guys review. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen her actually tuck her tail and run out of the room when certain um, <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Copeland comes yeah. on. And uh, mm -hmm. I certainly don't blame her. Hi, Lucy. I see that she's on. Our... Lucy, what do you think? She said, I love discernment. Did you hear that? Yes. That's awesome. I love you. I wish you guys could see this right now. She's adorable. She's good. I know I can make her howl. It actually gets really loud. It'll blow the distortion yeah. in your <laughs> way in off. Signal. Way off. Well, I'm so glad we got to to chat with Lucy for just a second because she is just adorable and and she she really makes the show. I bet you have viewers that watch just for Lucy sometimes, and that's how they get get drawn into the show. Well. Um, Stephen Paulette, we'll have all the links to your work in our show notes. And uh, Steve, I think you mentioned your your art website a second ago, but go ahead and let our listeners know how they can find you online. The main two places would be the messedupchurch.com, which is a full website. It was originally a blog and you can still see the old blog. And it, there also is still a lot of my writing. I actually wrote two different uh, series of articles on the pirate Christian media site. I, I wrote on the Museum of Idolatry and what was the right. messed up church. I moved all the messed up church over to its own website a couple of years ago because I needed more room. But I still have a ton of articles on pirate Christian media under the Museum of Idolatry website. So it's basically the messedupchurch.com and then my art is just stephencozar.com. And of course, if you go to YouTube, you would just go to the messed up church channel, which is just type it in. It's really, really easy to find. And there's a link to it on the Messed Up Church. The Messed Up Church is uh, a website that has links to YouTube and to the podcast, which has been a, a bit dormant for a while. But the, uh, the, the kind of the grand scheme of things for me <laughs> is to grow the Messed Up Church as an entire entity. And there's a few people in the wings that I want to have uh, to, to be more involved in, in terms of writing and maybe even getting involved with some of the video making and some of the podcasting as well. But Right now, it's mostly just me. Uh, Dan Long has been a really good friend, and he helps out with it as well. And his program, Long for Truth, we actually share space on his podcasting platform. Oh. So you'll see him uh, linked with a lot of the stuff that I do. That was a long answer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, a lot going answer. on. I know. <laughs> you a lot going on. Well, I just appreciate both of you, and uh, I really encourage our listeners to uh, connect with you, make sure that uh, they're following you and subscribing to you. Thank you. Um, we like to do these interviews, uh, people that we think our listeners should follow. Um, so thank you both so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks oh, our, for having us on. Yeah, our pleasure. We appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this episode of A Word Fitly Spoken. We hope this conversation has been edifying and that you've enjoyed it. You can find all of our resources for today's show at awardfitlyspoken.life. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Yep. And until next time, be in the word so that you can grow in your discernment and walk worthy.